Welcome to Hakol Radio's Top 3 segment, where we discuss the top three news stories of the day. Hakol Radio, powered by the Muncie Mavasser and broadcasting live from Schlerko Studios in Muncie, New York. Number 1. On Wednesday, December 13th, the IDF regretfully announced that seven Golani Brigade soldiers and two Special Forces rescuers fell in battle in Gaza, including a colonel and lieutenant colonel. The IDF state said in a statement that the commanders in the field showed courage and composure, commanded from the front and jumped to help and rescue the wounded warriors. As part of the heroic battle, some of the commanders and fighters who came to help and rescue the force in the building were killed. It all started when a combat team of the 53rd Battalion and the Golani Brigade were clearing buildings in a fortified area of the Shajaya neighborhood in the Gaza Strip, particularly compounds being used by Hamas. Upon entry into a building, the IDF team was ambushed, grenades were thrown, explosive charges exploded, and shots were fired, resulting in four Israeli soldiers being injured and disconnected from their battalion. Additional forces outside the building also received fire and waged a battle against terrorists, while the company commander, Major Moshe Avraham Baront, the platoon commander, Captain Liel Hayo, and Sergeants Achia Daskal and Iran Aloni were feared kidnapped from inside the building, taken through a tunnel shaft in the compound. The policy for feared kidnappings is to immediately send the brigade's senior commanders from nearby sectors with reinforcements so that they can flank the area from several directions. As such, two battalion commanders jumped to the incident, including Tomer Greenberg and another lieutenant colonel. Greenberg's 13th Battalion flanked the embattled compound from the north, while another battalion pulled back with the, with the casualties, and then provided a situational picture for the responding forces. In the meantime, the Special Rescue Unit 669 arrived at the compound and attempted to break down the door to get inside. But ambushing terrorists have taken hold of the nearby buildings and were firing upon the entire entrance area to the building. Major Ben Shelley and Sergeant First Class Rom Hecht were Rahman killed in action. Golani Brigade Commander Colonel Yair Palay sent his deputy, the commanding officer of his forward command and control, Colonel Yitzchak Ben Basat, to lead the battle from the front and tasked him with quickly reaching the area, preventing the terrorists from escaping with kidnapped soldiers and calling more, ter- more terrorists to the area, as well as to protect and rescue wounded soldiers. As the Golani deputy commander arrived at the building to rescue the 669 rescuers, terrorists were encountered and began firing from various directions. In this battle, Colonel Ben Basat was hit and killed Rahman al The IDF troops managed in the end to secure the area, to enter the building and rescue the wounded. Once inside, it became clear that the heroic actions of the disconnected team, while others were still fighting to keep the area secure and prevent additional terrorists from approaching, it was at this time that Lieutenant Colonel Greenberg fought off terrorists, but a missile was fired from a nearby building, collapsing the building along with secondary explosions, likely from other explosive devices inside. It was Rahman al killed along with his company commander, Major Roy Meldaz. Air fire had also been used to aid the battle from the north and west and to prevent terrorists from approaching from the direction of Darj Tufa neighborhood. In total, the battle lasted about three hours, resulting in the deaths of nine IDF personnel, Rahman al Israeli military officials announced on Tuesday, December 12th, that they recovered the remains of two hostages, Iden Zakaria and Reserve Master Sergeant Ziv Dado, 
captured in Hamas's October 7th attack on Israel. The discovery took place during a recent operation in the Gaza Strip, which resulted in at least two additional deaths, including Master Sergeant Eyal Mayor Berkowitz and General Gal Mayor Eisenkot, the son of Lieutenant General Gadi Eisenkot, member of the War Cabinet. Israel has informed the United States that it has initiated a cautious evaluation of flooding some of, the Gaza's, some of Gaza's tunnels with seawater, doing so on a limited basis. The objective is to assess the effectiveness of degrading Hamas's underground network on a larger scale, as reported by a U.S. official to CNN on Tuesday, December 12th. The Israelis are uncertain about the methods of success, but they have assured the U.S. that they are conducting tests only in tunnels where they believe no hostages are being held. Israel's Defense Minister Yoav Gallant stated on Tuesday, December 12th, that troops inside Gaza are conducting operations deep underground. Their focus is on identifying and destroying Hamas infrastructure. During a visit to a divisional headquarters in southern Israel, Gallant also mentioned that the IDF successfully located and apprehended the two brothers of Ahmed Randor, the commander of Hamas's northern brigade in Gaza, who was killed by Israeli forces. The United Nations General Assembly overwhelmingly called for an immediate ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war in a Tuesday, December 12th vote, reflecting global eagerness to end the ongoing conflict, as well as a complete lack of fundamental understanding on the part of the UN in regards to the conflict. Israel's UN Ambassador Gilad Erdan cautioned that a ceasefire could prolong the death and destruction in the region, describing it as a potential, quote, death sentence for countless more Israelis and Gazans. He suggested that if UN member nations seek a genuine ceasefire, they should contact Hamas in Gaza and provide a phone number for Yahya Sinwar, the mastermind of the Hamas attack, who is a top, top target for Israel. Either way, approximately three-quarters of the UN Assembly's members supported the non-binding resolution, emphasizing the isolation of Israel and the United States. The vote resulted the vote results were 153 in favor, 10 against, and 23 abstentions, surpassing the two-thirds majority required for passage. Number 2. The Swiss Parliament Lower House's National Council reached a decision to cancel funding of the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees in the Near East, the UNRWA. According to the Impact C Press, Swiss People's Party cited concerns that the UNRWA employees had, quote, glorified terror against Israel and that the organization was taking a one-sided position on the Middle East conflict. Switzerland is said to be the UNRWA's ninth largest donor nation. In 2023 alone, Byrne contributed over $21 million of aid. Over a month ago, the German Development Ministry announced its entire aid budget to UNRWA operations in Gaza would be frozen until further notice as a result of its internal review of its Palestinian aid portfolio. Germany has been the largest UNRWA donor over the last five years. The cross-party support for its cessation came in light of findings that Palestinian learning materials were used to teach hate, glorified jihad, and anti-Semitism. In addition to UNRWA, Germany funds a general operating budget for the PA's education ministry, which drafted its curriculum with hateful content. The funding is contributed alongside Norway, Finland, and Ireland, and the funding through a, through a combined program of EU member states amounts to roughly $158 million annually. Back in January, a delegation of Swiss parliamentarians attempted to visit a UNRWA school in Gaza, 
but were refused access to educational materials or to conduct an on-site visit. This visit was, was to a UNRWA school in Bethlehem, which was agreed upon in advance, but they were still not allowed in when they arrived. Instead, a meeting with UNRWA students was arranged, which ended abruptly when the students were told not to answer when Swiss ministers asked whether they could imagine living together with Israelis in freedom and peace. Now, both Switzerland and Germany are taking issue with the UNRWA system, which they say has ultimately failed because too little help reaches the people that actually need it. And what help that does make it through is used, is used primarily for hate and indoctrination against Israel. Number three. Hunter Biden arrived on Capitol Hill on Wednesday, December 13th, not to comply with his subpoena and be deposed at the House Oversight Committee, but to hold a press conference and again offered to testify publicly. He maintained that his father, President Joe Biden, was, quote, not financially involved in his business, saying that there is, quote, no evidence because it did not happen. Hunter Biden's offer to testify publicly is a de facto rejection of the GOP demand that he appear on Wednesday, December 13, 2023, at 9.30 a.m. for a closed-door deposition he had been subpoenaed for. The White House and President Biden have maintained that the president was never in business with his son. Biden has also said he never spoke to his son about his business dealings, but evidence, like email records and testimony from Hunter Biden's former business partners, presented by House Republicans in their investigations, seem to blatantly contradict those statements. In an impromptu press conference outside the Capitol, the president's son blasted House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, and House Ways and Means Committee Chair Jason Smith, who are co-leading the House impeachment inquiry against President Biden. Hunter Biden claimed that the chairman have manipulated evidence and misstated personal information. Comer and Jordan last week threatened to hold Biden in contempt of Congress if he defied the subpoena and failed to appear for his deposition, saying that he must appear for the closed-door deposition he had been subpoenaed for, after which Comer and Jordan vowed to release the full transcript of Hunter's deposition. They also vowed to then schedule a public hearing for the president's son to testify in a setting for the American people to hear from him directly. But this was only if he participated fully with the committee and, to, and did not try to pull a stunt. But now that he has, it becomes unclear what Comer and Jordan intend to do. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 3 segment live on Hako Radio and have a great day.